turn in your Bibles to John 17? It's found on page 1074. John 17, we're going to start at verse 20. Last couple of weeks, we've been focused on Jesus' high priestly prayer, and we've been looking at how important our unity is, our oneness. And uh, we'll talk about that this morning one last time. John 17, starting at verse 20. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also uh, may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one as you are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am, to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and, though, and, these know, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. I've never lifted a barn, but Herman Ostry, a farmer in Bruno, Nebraska, he has. Shortly after he bought some property that was uh, close to a river, um, apparently there was a flood and uh, his, his barn was under uh, 29 inches of water. And so he said, just offhandedly to one of his sons, wouldn't it be great if we could pick this up and, and bring it up the hill a little ways um, so that it wouldn't flood anymore? Well, one of his sons, Mike, he started to think about that and he wondered how many people it would take to do something like this. And so he measured the boards and the beams and the, um, the nails and, and he figured it weighed about 1,900 pounds. And so Mike figured that 344 people would only have to lift about 55 pounds to carry the barn to higher ground. But how do that many people, how do you have that many people get a grip on the barn, even to lift it. And so he ingeniously came up with this rail system inside the barn and outside the barn so that when everyone eventually came together, they were able to raise it. Well, this also happened to be the town that they lived in, Bruno. Um, it, it was a, a centennial. And, and so this family proposed that raising this barn would be part of those activities. And so they started to advertise, and uh, on the morning of July 30, 1988, 400,000 people from 11 states were there. When everything was ready, Herman shouted, one, two, three, and 344 people lifted the barn, and it rose like nothing at all. The crowd cheered and applauded as they carried the nine-ton barn 50 yards up a hill in just three minutes. How'd they do it? Well, they, they were organized. They were working toward a common goal. They spread the, the load evenly and equally. And at the same time, with one heart and with one mind and one purpose and one direction and with two hands, they were able to accomplish the impossible. 
Wouldn't this be a great description of a church? If we all came together like this and everyone did their part, everyone shared in lifting the load, think of the things we could accomplish. Not individually, not alone, though God does use us that way, but together. There's power in our oneness, in our unity. And this is what Jesus prays about before he he goes to heaven. This is what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. This is, again, Jesus' high priestly prayer. And there was three sections in this prayer, and the first part is Jesus praying for himself and what was about to happen, praying for his disciples, and now in this part, he's praying for our unity. And we've talked about different aspects of our unity, but I think the most important ingredient to our our oneness, which is found in Jesus, of course, but... I think the most important ingredient is love. Not a human or worldly love, but the kind of love that God has shown us, that Jesus showed us when he went to the cross. Without it, think how different things would be. Subtract love from holiness, and I think you're left with self-righteousness. Subtract love from truth, and you're left with bitter orthodoxy. Take love from missions, and you end up with imperialism and take love from unity and pretty soon you have tyranny. So why is love so important in our unity? Well, I think to understand this, we need to look at the very love that God has for his son Jesus. Only then, I think, can we begin to understand just how much he loves us. And the first thing I want to focus on this morning is the infinite love of God, the infinite love of God that God has for for Jesus and that he has for us. Let me read again verse 23. Listen to this amazing truth. I, I hope this just boggles your mind as you read this verse. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Let me read that last part again. So the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Can you believe that? Do you hear what this verse is saying about the love of God? God loves you with the same measure that he loves his son Jesus. God loves you with the same measure that he loves his son Jesus. Which means there's no limits to his love for us. The word kathos which our Bible translates as as the same. It can also be translated as just as or, or the same degree as. But in this context, what it's saying is that God loves those who are in Christ Jesus to the same degree, in the same way that he loves his very son, Jesus. Let that sink in. That's how much God loves you. As much as he loves Jesus. You know, we tend to love those who are closest to us a little bit more than others, right? You love your family more than you would love, say, a stranger on the street. But that's not so for for our Heavenly Father. He loves everybody. He loves them to the same degree that He loves His Son. Can you imagine Jesus going to the Garden of Gethsemane and 
and God telling him and, and, and Jesus pleading for God to help him. Can you imagine God saying, no, I don't have time for you right now. I'm, I'm really busy. I'll get back to you later. Can you imagine any limits to the Father's love for Jesus? No. There's no limits. God's love for Jesus is limitless. And this means that those who are adopted sons and daughters of God through Jesus, that's how he loves you. With a limitless love. An endless, a boundless love. He can never love you more than he does right now. He knows everything about you. And yet he loves you. The second aspect of God's love for Jesus is that it's eternal. Let me clarify the difference between infinite and eternal love. Infinite love is without limits, as I just said. Eternal love, it's without end. There's no end to it. Can you imagine the love that existed in the Godhead from eternity past? The oneness, the unity, the love. Can you, can you imagine that ever coming to an end? The love God has for the, His Son, the love they have for the Holy Spirit, and vice versa. In Malachi 3.6, God says, I am the Lord, I do not change. God's love for Jesus will never cease. Just as His love for His children, for His people will never cease. Despite knowing each of us intimately, including all our sins, past, present, and future. God knows everything about you, every mistake you've made, every mistake you're going to make, some even very horrible, and yet he still loves you. Romans 8.38 For nothing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Third aspect of God's love for Jesus is that it's perfect. It's perfect. And just as his love for Jesus is perfect, so is his love for us. We don't know how to love perfectly, do we? I think that's why marriages break up, families struggle and sometimes dissolve. Friendships, they can be on the rocks. Children rebel against their parents. It's not that we cease to love, but it's that we don't love very well. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes our children grow up in homes without the love they so desperately need, and so later on in life, they're searching for that love that they, they never experienced as, as children. Thankfully, though, we have a Father who loves us so much. And even when that love is missing, to know that our Father in Heaven loves us, the very love of a Father, I, I hope that fills you with much joy and peace. God, is that committed to us? God loves us perfectly with a wisdom that is beyond our comprehension. He loves us perfectly, even though we struggle at it. And so we have to be careful not to put our love and our understanding of love on God because God's is perfect. We just have to look at the cross to see that perfect love that he showed us in Jesus. And hopefully, we might be able to model that in our own lives. 
And that's an agape love, a giving love, a sacrificial love. You know, when you know that God loves you like this, I think it keeps us from being gripers, right? Keeps us from sniveling. You know, there's things that happen to us, things that we have to go through. You know, and then we can so easily doubt God's love, but what a mistake that is. Because God loves us with a perfect love. An eternal love, an infinite love. We just have to look at the cross again to see the proof of that. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. For God so loved the world, not you and me. We know that God loves us with the greatest love because his son is proof of that. How could God send the most precious thing in his, his heart, in his life, to this earth to die? Out of his love for you and me. 1 John 4.10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what's the consequences of this love? First, it gives us security. I think both now and, and in the future. Everyone will one day stand before the judgment seat of God. Everyone. That can be a fearful thing if you don't know Jesus. If you've never been washed in the blood and had your sins taken away. But for those who know Jesus, who've made him their Lord and Savior, and who are walking in fellowship with him, you know that love. That love is yours. You're secure in that love. And the Bible says nothing can take that love away from us. Nothing. Nothing can separate us from that love that is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8.1 says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the righteousness of Jesus that covers each one of us who know Jesus. Who've asked Jesus to be their Savior. There's no condemnation anymore. His righteousness now belongs to you. And so you can look forward to one day standing before the throne of God. Not wondering, oh, will he let me in? Maybe. No, it's not that. It's for sure. The cross is proof of that. Nothing can separate us from that love. So it's a future reality, but it's also a present reality that we can experience even now. This past week, my, our, our youngest um, started preschool. Yay! Started preschool. <laughs> it was hard, though. It really was. Um, we had a tough time sending him. But while he's excited about going and excited about his class and excited about his friends and really excited about riding that bus, yet it really makes him anxious. And I remember Wednesday morning, he woke up I don't want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. Even though you know he does. And so you know what my wife did? She just grabbed him, held him in her, her arms, and just sat there with him for a good five minutes. And as a result of that time, sitting on mom's lap, feeling those arms of love wrapped around him, he was ready 
He was able to get to the bus and, and actually get on. And isn't that what God does for us? That's his love for us. Even now as we live our lives, his arms of love are wrapped around us. Especially when you're having that tough, difficult day. You're not alone. But God is there at your side. Working things all, all out for our good. We can be secure in the infinite, eternal, and perfect love of God. And nothing can ever change that. It gives us hope. It, it, it's an anchor for our souls. I think another and final consequence of, of such love is that we should in turn love others as we have been loved. This is what it's, it means to be called to imitate Christ in our lives. Not just to keep this love to ourselves, but to share it with those around us. And that means getting our hands dirty. Getting to know our neighbors. Helping those who are in need. One Christian writer once said, God blesses his people with extravagant love, the kind of love that enables his people to, wo- to be one, so that they might extend his extravagant glory to all the people of the earth. When we love well, when we stand together and love well, God is glorified. And the world hears the good news about Jesus. As we saw in the last few weeks, when God's people love this way, it's a witness to the world that they cannot deny. It speaks to them. We don't even have to use words. They can see it. And hopefully, it'll make them ask the question, what makes that possible? So that we can tell them about Jesus. There's something the early church did well that we could learn something from. I think especially given the challenges that we're facing in our world today and that we've been going through. We've talked before about the Black Plague that that spread across the Roman Empire when the church was still very young. But despite how contagious the disease was, the early Christians, they disregarded their own welfare, their own safety. And I'm quoting from an early church father now. And they showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, together they took charge of the sick, attending to the to their every need and ministering to them in, in Christ, resulting in many of them becoming infected by the disease. And their attempt to love their brother, many of them literally and joyfully laid down their lives. It's the kind of love we're talking about. That's the love that was shown to us in Jesus. That's the love that we're called now to show to those around us. In the Roman Empire, they were so impressed with that love that there was a, a spreading of the gospel during that, that time that the world has only seen a few times. People noticed the love of the Christians. It spoke to them. And it led them to the one true God. It led them to Jesus. It was a love that they could not deny. This is the power of the infinite, eternal, and perfect love of God that is ours in Christ Jesus. May we all strive together to be the answer to Jesus' prayer that we might be one just as he is one.
Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, that is our prayer. May we be one just as you are one. Forgive us, Lord, when we allow things to divide us, when we allow walls to be built up. Forgive us, Lord, when we despair because of things that go on in our lives. And Lord, we forget just how much you love us. And so, Lord, we just pray that we might stand together in the love of Christ. And that love might be a witness to our world. Lord, especially in this day and age where there's such a a selfish love, may we show the world what true love is really all about. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.